Dogwood. Welcome to the Love War Podcast. As always, we're Grant and Brian, one of us a professional musician, pastor, and recovering pastor's kid, the other a media and public relations expert, a writer, and a pop culture aficionado. I feel good. I'm on vacation. What's going on, man? Officially for the next, I don't know, 10 days or something. So I, I feel really good about that. Yeah. Okay. I was told specifically not to worry about work. Nice. My boss told me not to worry about work. So I feel pretty good about that. That's cool. What do you um, uh, do for work exactly? Gosh, how do I answer that? Um, I, I do uh, public relations for uh, a nonprofit organization. I think that's... I, I don't need people tracking me down on Twitter, so gotcha. I'll just keep it at that. Yeah. I don't want you to find my <laughs> professional Twitter. There's no that good to come from that. <laughs> so yes, I do. You really yeah, have a professional oh, Twitter? Yeah. yeah, and you don't need to know about it. So you do? It's, it's, you're not going to find it. Oh, and man, just, I'm going after no, it now. No. Oh, my goodness. That's... <laughs> So, uh, oh, that's so great, actually. I'm, this is, I, I'm so right, excited. After, after I'm, the show, I'm actually going to look uh, through your professional Twitter. And then, and then you can, like, look up all the stuff that <laughs> okay. I tweet, and, and you can, you know, razz me about it on, on uh, iChat or something. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness, that's awesome. You know, because, I, you know, you have your normal Twitter, which is the one that yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, I don't... Um, through that article so to you about... Twitter's kind of a funny thing. I use it more as a news source than I do as a, a social media, you know... So, um, it's, yeah, so it's not I. something that I use very often to... Like, Facebook is my platform to talk about, like, the, the silly things that I go through in life. Um and and uh, I enjoy doing that. I, I like to keep my family up to date with like, like yesterday the fact that I accidentally uh, brushed my teeth with preparation age, you know, stuff like that. It's awful. Yeah, oh. I still can't still can't feel oh. my tongue. That's actually that's brilliant. Um, I just I said I'm uh, only Twitter, hearing about this now. Bit, You're hearing it first here at the same time that I am. Mm. So now now I know. So that's cool. We'll, we'll get that working out, um, and and we'll uh, we'll start tweeting stuff from it. I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about something that is kind of tangential uh, to what we were just talking about in our last podcast about worship. Uh, and in the first episode, we talked a lot about our influences and the things that that made us who we were from a musical perspective. And I think that the sort of the point of this podcast is to talk about Christianity in terms of art and culture, even this great term that you used, uh, individual church culture, in the last episode. How does it relate to us in, in that very specific way? And so I thought that, that we could talk about some of the things that we listen to, watch, some of the signposts that point us to God, just in our everyday lives. We also talked about, uh, I, I made some kind of comment that you pushed back on a little bit, and I thought that it was a good discussion about some secular music that I found very worshipful, and, and we, we talked about that. I, I think mm-hmm. that ultimately what it does 
uh, even if we don't agree on whether or not it's worship, that it allows me to glorify God more fully and completely. And so I want to talk about the arts and media that allow us to do that today. Yeah, you know, when you were talking specifically, the funny thing was, is when we had that discussion, um, I ended up going, um, and there's a couple albums from Pedro the Lion that um, I really, really like, mostly because of the musical decisions and um, how they arranged and all that. Um, he's just really, really great at what he does. Um, but as I as I went and listened to some of the things, it you know, I, I still absolutely wouldn't consider it worship at all but i what it would i think what it does do is it allows you to ask questions and formulate certain things in your mind just like you know and everybody everybody else you know what i mean like um when i i went to uh bible college for like a hot second like (laughs) literally 37 seconds and then i and then i stopped but one of the things that I, one of the things that I was, um, that was just so evident to me is that there were so many people running around with like the version of God that they were taught in Sunday school and, um, all the freshmen coming in at that point, like they were so upset when like they had professors pushing them to actually think about you know, other natures of God or like the origin of the, of the scriptures and just so many other things. Right. And it was such a great, I mean, like it it cracked me up because there were so many people that were like, uh, they would literally try to corner a professor in, you know, in a class in, in, in like a theological, in this theological open discussion and I'm sitting there like, why do you think that you're going to be able to corner this guy? He's like one of the top 10 theologians in the country. You think you're going to corner him? How arrogant are you? And it would make me so upset because all this, all he's doing is he's pushing against what their Sunday school interpretation of God and the scriptures were. And, and, then, and then, you know, you know, he would open it up and, you know, the discussion would play out and like there's things, uh, you know, there's 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 attributes and, and uh, worldviews of God that you weren't aware of, by the way. I know like you thought that like, you know, you, you, your sixth grade Sunday school class was like the equivalent of any kind of seminary, you know, education. But by the way, it wasn't. And you're arrogant and you don't know everything about. No, it's good Bible. stuff. And, and what I want to by the way. What I want to highlight there is, or at least, um, you know, uh, caveat emptor, caveat spectator, whatever the Latin term is for listener, listener beware, what you're not saying is that Sunday school isn't useful, isn't helpful. I try to, when I teach not Sunday school at Victory Church, I try to, I try to uh, push back on some of those ideas because these are kids who are they're growing up into adults and and they're uh, they're exploring right right actual right. theology uh, and pastor ed said something on stage um on stage from the pulpit it's kind of a stage but uh from the pulpit uh, a couple months ago that really hit me he said like our our kids don't get like a junior holy spirit you know um and so that's important right. so i just want to make it clear we're we're not pushing back on sunday school we're not pushing back on uh educating kids 
giving them scripture to learn and memorize and and to think through but you can't make that false equivalency between those rudimentary introductions to theology versus you know somebody who has sure. studied the bible in in its original language and and understands what words mean better than we understand them and understands uh, the the history of the Bible and the theological implications behind what we believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would, and like, that's, yeah. And I, I probably would, you know, get back to that at the end of my um, rant, but what, I, so by the way, everybody like we've, I think one, we've done this a few times where we, where we've talked about, um, Sunday school. So the reason why there's this underlying, you know, thing about Sunday school is we don't call it Sunday school at our church. We call it uh, life groups um, because Sunday school yeah, has school yeah. has like a negative connotation and kids don't like school. So we kind of we use we're kind of very particular about our language. But I just had to throw right, that right. in there. And That's so, why thank you he for said that not Sunday school. But so. Right. So, but in mine, in my, obviously those things are so important. And my, my thing, you know, um, my thing wasn't with that. It was the arrogance of some people going into, um, that setting thinking that they had God all figured out and they had them all figured out by the seventh grade. Right. And, uh, and, you know, all, all those, all those different things. And, I don't know what it is, and I don't know if you experienced this when you were, um, when you were in school. But when it comes to like Bible college and Christian college and all that, I mean, all of a sudden, when somebody steps in there, there's like there's like another level of arrogance to to some people because they think one that their interpretation of whatever of scripture, like they got it all figured out, right? And there's this aura of piety. And a, a like completely undeserved piety. You know when you met you know you know when you meet somebody, or you know you had you met somebody in the past and they're like, uh, they're really arrogant. Um, yeah, it and, happens all the time. But they have no and, reason and, to be and arrogant. Frankly, I'm really like, concerned <laughs> that I'm one of those people. <laughs> you know, people meet me and they're like, D- "This dude has no right. reason. He's, there's no rationale why he should be this way." Yeah, but like, isn't that, isn't that, but isn't that like what, but see, you're supposed yeah, to be yeah, like that, I, right? Because you're like a journalist There's an stuff, element right? of uh, questioning everything that, that I believe that has been really important to me and, and to sort of bring it full circle. Uh, that's yeah. why the arts, particularly the, the secular arts, and maybe we can talk in a little bit, maybe we won't about the um, banality and the frustration of... Uh, quote-unquote Christian movies that are made for that market and, um, you know, the, the the types of things that you know the plot and you know uh, every, every sort of beat of the story arc before it happens because it's supposed to cater to that particular audience. Um, and that's, that's not art to me. Uh, I think that that's something... That to me is uh, it's it's a product. There's a, a a great song. Goodness, it came out uh, more than 20 years ago by this uh, great Christian band who I, I think is still out there making music. 
All Star United, and the uh, the song was called Smash Hit, and uh, the point of the song was um, if Jesus just had better public relations, if Jesus had a better marketing team, that that uh, maybe Christianity would be in a better place, and it was all tongue in cheek. But I th- I think that when we commodify, uh, or is the term commoditize? I think it's commodify Christianity. We're we're doing a disservice to what art actually is, which should provoke and should make us think. And that's the genesis of this discussion today: is that we were exploring in the first half of the worship podcast, like what our influences were and and why we started to listen to the music that eventually ended up becoming formative to us and becoming important to us. And a lot of that music and a lot of the stuff that has built me and, and even built my theology is stuff that's from the secular world, but that taught me something about God. Yeah, I you know it's so funny. I was thinking, um, I was thinking about. I've seen a lot of crappy Christian movies. Uh, it's part of your job, right? I mean, a lot, right? Well, not even like now, but as a kid growing up, like I remember, like just seeing so many. You know, as a pastor's kid, just seeing so many terrible, terrible Christian movies, and like they were okay, like whatever. Like I give them props for. What like, was even the one? A movie. Um, I, mean, I haven't done a movie, and gosh, it was about the rapture. It was like whispers in the dark or something like that, and and like there's like families, and then like the husband know. disappears in the middle of the night, and and he was raptured, and the wife is like. So where where did he go? Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm sure uh, I, I saw I, that. I forget what that movie's called. I'm um, gonna have to look it up. There's oh, one that, that I saw so called bad. the Omega Code. That, but like it was funny because like the Antichrist was actually the professor <laughs> at Yale from Gilmore Girls. So like so that every time I watch, it, I'm like, yo, it's the Antichrist, like. A, <laughs> So, but he was actually. I mean, I was like, I was sure, really sure. young, yeah, so I and, thought he was a good antichrist. So what was his name actually, so, in I that mean, movie? I, I think I think that it was like a, a, oh, a, man, a really remember. weird name, like Macaluso comes to mind, something like that. Oh my goodness, Macaluso! So, right, yeah. right. Oh, again, brilliant. tongue firmly planted um, cheek. So uh, we were talking about this discussion though, and we're going to launch into it. And Grant said something that was really interesting to me. He said he's not sure that art has affected his theology at all. Uh, and, and I can push back against that with certain examples. Like one of the things, one of the movies that really affected me, and it, it came to me at like the right place and time in my life, is a, a movie called Her, starring Joaquin Phoenix and uh, directed by Spike Jones, and it's about a guy who uh, gets into a relationship with the super intelligent operating system of his uh, cell phone and computer. So this operating system controls all of his technology, and he gets into a romantic relationship with her, and a part of the beauty of that movie to me is the importance of the incarnation and why it's so important that for us, God isn't just some 
data stream floating around in the sky, but that he put himself in flesh and he came to earth and he suffered uh, physically the way that we suffer. And I, I mean this when I say I watch it every Christmas time because it's not a, a Christmas movie, but it reminds me of the importance of, of God putting himself in a human being and coming to earth. And that's a movie that has profoundly influenced what I think of God and, and how I see God and, and how I see the importance of Christ coming to us as uh, as a man and not uh, as uh, some allegory, not as a lion, which, and we can talk about the Chronicles of Narnia later and why allegory is important. We might not get to that, but but the idea that God came to us as a human being is just so vital that he suffered like us is so vital. And I'm not sure that I would have understand, uh, understood that vitality and, and the importance of that to the same extent that I do now if I hadn't seen that movie. So yeah, it really did influence and affect my theology. Yeah, it's, I think, um, I I can't say that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to be as arrogant to say like, oh, it didn't, you know, completely affect me at all. Um, it's just, ve- it's very, it's interesting to me because I think like, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking in terms of um, the, the other places, like my home life, right? Um, my dad being a pastor and basically um, like, you know, interpretation and God was a way of life, yeah. right? There wasn't a day without it. There wasn't a day with without it being a discussion. There wasn't a, I mean, there wasn't a debate. There wasn't a, a day didn't go by without like a debate about it. Like, I mean, like that was just part of like how I grew up, right? So I'm, th- you know, when I think about that, it's just like, yeah, that was much more formidable than anything than anything um, artistic because it was. Sure, you know and there I mean? was some. I was getting, there's I was some attachment that you have there, though, because I would have, imagine that your your childhood was very similar to my childhood. Sure. We we grew up at the tail end of the. Uh, what I like to call the satanic panic of the 1980s. And you all remember probably going uh, trick-or-treating or not going trick-or-treating because you weren't allowed to and getting those uh, those chick tracks that talked about... Uh, do you remember chick tracks? Oh. Yeah, man. Like The funny thing was is I like I liked to read them because I was bored out of my mind at church all day. So, you know, whenever my dad had a meeting, I'd just go to the... The track right, rack, and they were like and I little comic all book of them things out, that, all that of them told you. Yep, the <laughs> church secretary would hate me because I just leave them all over the place, and like they're like, "Wow, so many people must be getting saved because the track rack is empty." And this is like That's actually funny. no Grant's just like oh reading them and then throwing. But like, them I, and I remember like Christians track, would give those so. out instead of candy um, on on Halloween, which is just uh, talk about a bad witness, mm-hmm. but. But <laughs> oh my goodness! It's such a juke, dude. Like, but oh. um, so there were yeah. certain things that I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid. Like uh, there were certain things, and I didn't have parents who were pastors. But we came from a very Baptist background, and so, for example, I wasn't allowed to watch the Smurfs because I think um, Gargamel uh, was Me either. either New Age or using magic was satanic, and so I couldn't watch that. 
Um, I couldn't watch. Yep. yep. I couldn't watch Scooby Doo because uh, the the show that was on at that point was the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, where they like actually delve into the supernatural. And going back and watching it now, like there are some occultic themes, but but I think that's that's pretty fun and pretty cool. Let's <laughs> just get. Dude, I okay. Hold on. I've never met anybody that was not allowed to watch. Oh, really? Like more shows than me, right? So like, like there's no like I wasn't allowed to watch anything. But Scooby Doo, I was allowed to watch. Maybe because they didn't see those things. But I've never met somebody that was. So what, was like, rattle yeah, off some of the things that you weren't allowed to watch, to watch though. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Smurfs, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So what was wrong with that? Like, Ninja Turtles. uh, Well, I think that was just based... Well, I think it was basically (laughs) that I was, like, a violent kid and they didn't want me feeding. Honestly, that's why I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers either. Because there was fighting in it. And, like, yeah. Um, uh, Man, man, I don't know, man. Uh, Oh, yeah. You know, I snuck a lot of that stuff, too. Like, you know what I mean? So what else? What else? What else was on during then? Um, he Man was man, on then. The Masters of the Universe. There's this great um, documentary, and you can find it on YouTube. And I want to get the title right: "Deception of a Generation." That was um, it was a video. Uh, from 1985, I think that it was distributed in churches. Uh, it might have played on public access television, and and you can find it online. The entire thing, and I watched it a, a couple months ago. Yeah, Deception of a Generation. I'm gonna, wa- and it's, I'm gonna um, watch it. A, a pastor, and then like a media pop culture expert talking about how uh, children's television and all of the cartoons the kids watch are getting them to. Um, to, to essentially become little occultists, little Satanists. And like some of, some of the uh, some of the stuff like in those shows was occultic to the point that to the point that anything is. Uh, you, you can't really unless it's like a Christian approved author like CS. Lewis, uh, fantasy is kind of forbidden or was forbidden in that era because uh, magic was directly tied to, to the occult and to Satan. But some of the conclusions that they come to are really funny. Like, I think one of them is that uh, that the the Smurfs are blue because when you die, like, your your body becomes pallid and blue. And so it's like a, 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 it's a world of, of dead people who are speaking to us beyond the grave or, or whatever. So... And all of this is to say, like, Christians have a really bad track record over the past couple of years of jumping to conclusions on media and and art. And it wasn't too long ago, you know, it was just a a few hundred years ago that Christianity was art. And for art to be good, for art to be uh, something that stood the test of time and had to have a component not just of of any religion in the Western world, but, but that Christianity was front and center. I think we've talked before about uh, about box masterpieces, yeah. and so many of those were written for his church choir, for for his his choir to perform on Sunday mornings or, or Saturday, as the case may be. But 
that that separation of art from Christianity, like for for a lot of the Western world's recent history, those things have been kept completely separate. And and what do we do with that when it's tough for me as a parent because <laughs> you know it's like uh, is this is this feeding my child's um, developing theology at five months she's you know only developing language right now but does this does this bolster her does this is this helpful or useful or is this something that that's going to lead her astray and so I understand the uh, desire of parents to want to show their kids entertainment that that builds them up and that builds up their faith but I'm not entirely sure that we can just dismiss anything secular as something that should be avoided. No, in fact, I'm completely convinced that we shouldn't do that. Most uh, of the you, entertainment that I consume is secular. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, that's the thing. Like, somewhere along the line, um, we just started to... Um, we literally started as as creators as it's, it's the, the first the thing as creators as artists in the Bible is in the Stop beginning pl- God created. So we we it, already know that creating is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, um, we stopped playing offense and started playing defense, and it's, we stopped like creating and stopped moving forward and decided just to like we got lazy. And what's, you know, lazy people just criticize, right? And we just start criticizing, you know, everything else and criticizing the art that's being made and all that. And they, you know, like instead of, you know, instead of writing things that, um, you know, are, are creative and all those kind of things, they decide their their time is better uh, used by, you know, criticizing this, and picking apart everything the, that's the, wrong. The, the stuff you we know, can find things that are wrong even with... Uh, "Quote unquote Christian entertainment, right? We can find things, even even that like might be Christian mm. in in name or Christian in in effect, but that aren't uh, that don't line up with our own personal theology, right?" Yeah, but does yeah, but does that and that's does that mean that we just like stop? Sure. I mean, yeah, you don't have to consume it if you don't want to. But there's this there's this there's this element of ridiculous censorship that the church has to be like anything that isn't <laughs> talking about Noah and the and even ark some stuff that is talking about Noah and the ark. Because it, Christians got right? pissed and off. Uh, I should be allowed to say that on here. Christians got pissed off when Darren Aronofsky, who did uh, yeah. Requiem for a Dream and The Fountain. Uh, really great, just sort of uh, uh, top tier American director directed this movie that was called mm-hmm. Noah about the flood and the ark, and and Christians were furious about it because they thought that it didn't include or properly introduce the theology in in the biblical account of the flood. Uh, is that the way that we need to be treating media is, you know, if it's not for us, it's against us and, and everything that doesn't perfectly align with whatever our own theological inclinations uh, are is is automatically something that should be dismissed and discounted and and even in some cases looked at as evil. And this is not to say that there aren't things, yeah. you know, I, I think... 
in large part, um, and I, I, I hesitate when I say this because I, I don't want to say it in a fundamentalist, chick-tracked way, but I think that we understand that that the kingdom of God is uh, going to come to Earth, but it's not on it's not here on Earth right now. Um, that's the the hope and the perseverance of Christians to to hasten the kingdom of God. Not that we're doing God's work, but but long story short, the the Earth and and the world uh, in in sort of a, a, a broad sense is not. Uh, a Christian world, and it's it's not a world that is governed by and and um, led by Christ. And so, there are a couple of questions that come from that. One, how much can we expect for uh, God and the Christian God to be at the center of everything we produce? And two, do we need to fault the world for creating entertainment? that is based on what the world needs and what the world desires, but that does have some theological imperatives or stuff that we can learn from. Yeah, I, um, there's... Man, I I think one of the problems of, you know, there's there's just been this whitewashed art. Like, you can't... You can't... Um, you can't find any common ground with it. You know, there's, there's just so many things that, you know, it's completely absent of any kind of problems or whatever. Right. We talked about like, uh, Noah, Noah and the ark and all that. And, um, you know, people who are people who, who, who have this, this thing about, you know, Hey, we shouldn't be consuming these kinds of things. I mean, are, are you really reading scripture? Like, did you know, after, like after the flood, like, 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 there was all kinds of craziness that happened about Noah getting drunk. Right, and all right, that and, stuff. and and so like, like should, the Bible's full of kind of nasty things, nasty like, realities. It's if if it was made into a movie, we wouldn't show it in our churches. It, not even close, and and I know that's a conver- that's a common conversation. I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, somebody was talking to me like. Why you? Why do you write like? Why don't you just? Somebody actually asked like, you this. Why are you writing love songs? Like, what do you? Uh, okay. Uh, in in kind of in a roundabout way, yeah. Like they'll be like you know like uh, you know uh, when people when it's more like you right, know people right. think that that's all I should be really writing is worship and this is it's like as an like there's some people that do that you know like whatever that's cool like as me it's different but I had this 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 discussion where it starts getting into like. Um, you know, why do you write, you know, like, I, listen, uh, all I, all I, you know, when, when there's an entire book, uh, dedicated to basically lovemaking, like Song of Solomon is like, I just need <laughs> to write more songs about lovemaking. That's what I've come. That's so the you conclusion and, I'm coming you and, to. Like, uh, I just your need wife, to start Rebecca, writing a lot more. Uh, like a, a, a worship team version of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. <laughs> oh God! Uh, see, like that's the thing. Like I don't see that. Everybody, like equivalence. <laughs> I, I, that's a whole other thing, man. Equivalence. I can't even. I'm not even getting into that. But, um, but when you know, kind of one of the things that we were when we were, uh, you you dropped some heavy bombs in there. But one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking was, 
I did see, because we've been kind of hacking on um, some of this, whether you call it Christian or not, you know what I mean? Whatever. Um, I did not see Did you see, see Paul. Uh, Paul, the one that just came out? Dude, that was unfreaking believable. Like, that was a moving, that was like a moving film. Like, I've, I haven't seen, you know, and obviously the guys, you know, from Passion, the Christ and all that, you know, whatever, they had a huge hand in that. But that was an unbelievable movie. Like the way that it portrayed the early church, the way that it and, portrayed, and we're not that we're not talking about Paul, movie. which is I, I uh, also a very decent movie that came out in 2011, uh, that starred um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. This is a different Paul movie that's actually it's about the the Apostle yeah. Paul, uh, the, the the formerly Saul, scales on his mm-hmm. eyes. Uh, Road to Damascus, that Paul. We're not talking about the one starring the alien from outer space, which mm-hmm. is very funny. I wouldn't recommend it to the church, but it's good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. But you're you're talking about the 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 Paul movie with um, Jim Caviezel, right? Who's in the Passion of the Christ? Yeah. See, yep. even his initials. JC's in that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but that was one. Um, piece that I was like, holy cow, why aren't we making more art like this? Like, this is crazy. And obviously, you know, like people are like, oh, they don't have a budget. They don't have a blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't think so. I, I don't think, like, they have a budget. It's great. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people putting uh, money into all kinds of other things in the church. So these guys, clearly, they had a great budget, sure. Um, I just thought that it was... Um, I thought it was a depiction of life, right? Of, of real life, real problems, you know? Um, I, I just don't buy into this whitewashed version of, uh, of art that has, has been really mass-produced by, um, by the church. It's, it's a, a trend, years, and um, a piece was written about it a couple weeks ago, um, actually probably about a, a couple months ago, um, I think that the magazine was it, it was Variety that published a piece about the sort of burgeoning Christian film movement and how these producers and writers and directors like we talked about earlier know their audience and are trying to create something that resonates with that audience and, and so there's like um, a sort of narrative arc that they follow which, from a very basic and simplistic standpoint, is somebody who's going through rough times, who doesn't believe there is a struggle. The sort of apex of the story is them coming to belief, and then everything works out perfectly. Um, and I don't know about your Christian experience, but that has not been my my experience as a Christian. That that I just followed this narrative arc where things were, um, you know, really rough for a while, and then I found Jesus, and then everything started going well. I think that that's actually a, a pretty big lie that we tell ourselves. That you know, when we when we um, Oh yeah, totally. When we find Christ, or Christ finds us, and I know there are theological implications and imperatives in those terms, uh, but that everything is just going to get perfect and better, and that's that's not the way that our Christian experience works. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you're 100% right. I, um, I, I just, I think that, um, that entire idea just does a complete disservice. Um, so that when you, you see some kind of problem or you see like, you know, some, maybe, um, somebody in the church or you see somebody like, you know, there's this, there's this very elementary approach of like, um, um, and even the even the, like even the testimonies that I do because I get to produce a ton of stories for our church. Um, you know, there's obviously you know we have to tell an entire story in like two and a half minutes. So I've done dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these now, and um, when I'm working with the editor and um, we're kind of going through telling this story. There is a, you know, there's obviously a, a death to life thing, right? And we talk about how, ter- you know, what they went through and now their life has changed. Now, the, I feel like, I feel like that I need to obviously put in, you know, I, I need to have them, you know, talk about, hey, you know, it hasn't been awesome. You know, you know, everything hasn't been like, you know, whatever, like my life hasn't been perfect, but it's changed. Like my reality is different, right? Like I'm not alone, all those things, right? There's, because there's a lot of pieces, what, what I've, I did a piece and it's, you know, basically it was a, it was a piece where, uh, she'd come out. I remember that. Yeah. That was just a couple weeks ago that you showed that video in church. Yeah. Yeah. Now what I didn't, what I didn't put in is like, and this happens a lot is when she did and decided to turn her life around like that, decided that, um, there were some things that she had to change and come out of that lifestyle. Um, there was a whole, her entire friend, friend base, you know, her entire, uh, base of friends, like 100% just left her just 100% left her and it's gone and she's gone and or, or they're gone and she has to wrestle with that reality right and there's so many things so there's many always times a negative there's always a and downside there are so um, many situations yeah and we don't ever talk about that do you want to pause or should we keep it going and then do the clap um let's see i've tried so hard <laughs> it's all good all okay. right let's just let's yeah, let's just pause the recording. So when we're talking about a story, even a story that somebody tells us, something that's true to life, uh, a life experience, an anecdote that happens to them, there's always that, that point of conflict. And I think that a lot of Christian art, uh, quote-unquote Christian art, or art that's marketed to Christian audiences, has this point of conflict that is manufactured because we know what the resolution is going to be and the resolution is always Jesus and in real life I, I think as Christians while we know that that Jesus is our savior and that Jesus is um, a, a friend who sticks closer than a brother there are a lot of these phrases and terms that we use but in in our day-to-day life even though God's orchestrating the entire thing, it doesn't always feel like our devotion to Jesus is the thing that gets us out out of that tight spot that we're in. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah, 
And I know that's like uh, that's kind of a, a a tough thing to grapple with because what I'm not saying right now, what what it could sound like I'm saying is that like Jesus didn't get you out of that, you know, like you got yourself out of that, and that's that's not what I'm saying. But I don't think when when we reach that conflict resolution stage of the stuff that's going on with us in our lives. God's always working there on the details and he's behind the scenes, but it's, it's not always easy to attribute like that success or that thing that happened to us to, well, that was just a, an, a, a God intervention, right? It was a God thing. Christians say a lot of times sure. and to me, yep. that's a deus ex machina, right? That's a God in the machine. That's a, 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 a God who, for whatever reason, mechanically sees us at a point of great need and lifts us out of that great need. It's a plot device. It's not. It's not real life. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. I, I wish, um, and that's why. And that's why you know. That's why there's so many stones that's thrown because it's just this completely. Uh, it's just completely void of any kind of reality. And when 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 people try to create based on that the and what and what when you then for some reason you know when you um when you present that so many people is like yeah but like remember but god you know but god's gonna come in and like but god, you know what i mean like when somebody uh create like why are they you know why are they creating something that's so that's so um so depressive why aren't they talking about hope like well like listen like hope like i i believe in hope too and there's there's plenty of times where i you know uh am hopeful but the truth is, is there's a lot of times where i you know there are things that i can't think out, you know i can't maybe see out of right i can't see yeah 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 and 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 like those are times that i need to write about those are times that I need to create about. And, you know, when you're a creator and you're ready, you understand that. But for some it's reason, all in it's all in the tension, you know. Exactly. Have you yeah. seen The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick? It's a movie came out, uh, I think, about six years ago. And it, it, the, the intro um, is actually a, a quote from the book of Job. It says, uh, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, when the morning stars mm. sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? And it's um, this beautiful movie about um, choosing between nature or our human nature and choosing grace. And Terrence Malick is, uh, is a Christian, but uh, is also a mainstream film director. This is not uh, a, a Christian movie, although the fingerprint of of Christ is all over this movie Uh, Mm -hmm. has some great scenes beautiful scenes about um, the universe being born out of the darkness and the solar system forming and the dinosaurs like just great scenes that I think um, the visual effects were done by the the guy who did um, and I I forget his name right now but did 2001 a space odyssey by Stanley Kubrick Mm -hmm. um gorgeous scenery and and it's just a a beautiful moving movie uh without a a a particularly strong narrative other than trying to find this idea of grace and it is 
not only a beautiful movie, but a great story that's told, even when the narrative aspect of the story is like a lot of the movie is is uh, silent. There, the um, dialogue in the movie is very very slim, but it's a movie that pointed me toward this idea and and explicitly like comes down hard on this idea that god is the maker he's the original creator he is the author of the universe and and to to follow god is to follow grace and i like i'm i'm almost crying thinking about the movie because it's so gorgeous and so beautiful and such a an amazing representation of god as a loving father that we struggle so hard to get in worship music and in christian media that is just like completely evident and apparent in this more or less mainstream hollywood movie yeah yeah what was the like what was the um can you dive into what the conflict was in that situation yeah so um without spoiling the movie um one of the main conflicts of the film is a um not a misunderstanding but some tension between a father and his son um and the forgiveness and reconciliation that that need to happen there yeah okay yeah and these are uh, so what i often say about christianity and my christian life is these aren't these aren't things these ideas and and thoughts and um sort of motions that I go through in life. These aren't things that are specific to me because I love Jesus. These are things like I, I think that that Christianity and, and the story of who God has been throughout the ages is a universal truth. It's mm-hmm. not a contextual truth. Yeah. And so when, when I try to frame my Christianity to somebody and I was talking to a, a close friend who I love who... Um, would not consider himself a Christian today about this. It's not something that is um, that is a, a, a special sort of understanding or path that I get to walk just because I, I know and love Jesus that this is something that is it's a, a universal thing, a universal truth. It, God echoes throughout the universe and so anything to me uh, that is Christian is is going to echo universally, right? Mm, and that's okay. and that's the the thing that I think we're missing when we say um, I'm going to swear off secular movies and I'm going to you know not read this book because it's by horror author Stephen King. You and I have talked about our affection before of Stephen King, yeah. and, and uh, one of the books that we've talked about is The Stand, which is a, a beautiful. Um, a representation of Christ rescuing us of mm-hmm. and, and of everything being in God's hands. And there's some other things that we can go into there with that book, which is a book that I, I would recommend to, to anybody to read, Christian or not. But um, when we swear off these things and say we're not going to engage in that culture, one, we're we're not being in and not of the world at that point. We're both not being of the world and also not being in the world. 
And I mm-hmm. think that, that Christians miss that distinction. But the other thing that we're doing is that we're missing the echoes of God throughout the universe, throughout people, throughout art, throughout history uh, that, that tells this part of God's story because it doesn't have that Christian label on it. Yeah, I, that's awesome. I, I mean, one of the, I mean, I in Salem's Lot, I think we're, I think we might have talked about too. Is this? There's this, um, uh, there's this priest, Father Callahan. Um, yeah, yeah, that lays out, you know, salvation in a killer way, right? And that's how I don't like yo Stephen King. I think he grew up in like a somewhat Christian environment. His mom, sure, I think, sure. is a. So he know like he knows the gospel, man. You could tell he knows the gospel uh, when he lays that out in Salem's Lot. Uh, you know, ironically, the priest you know has zero faith and gets right, you know yeah. gets uh, you know. Well, you don't we, we don't want to ruin the story, but yeah, right. it's um, he's a great strong character, but um, and and this is a, a great example of somebody knowing the. Um, the sort of word of God, but not the power of God, I guess. It's an interesting, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, so I, I wouldn't, it'd, it'd be interesting to me have a conversation with him, just be like, you know, hey, what, you know, where, where do you stand and all that? But I, I think one of the, the greatest things that you could point out is that, um, yeah, like there's this, I, you know, this, this idea of hope and all those things, but like, there's no hope without conflict. Right. That's exactly right, and and that's a, that's a great point. And uh, when when I'm going through the the toughest times in my life, um, and I've been through a lot, and we could talk about that in the future as it relates to relationships and marriage. And I think marriage would be a really cool thing for both of us to talk about from our differing experiences and all of that. So a future podcast, you can look forward to that. But one of the things that that um, has really defined my relationship with Christ has been the growth happens in those gray areas and those dark areas. Yeah. Um, Grant, you and I often talk about um, this, this phrase uh, where God takes us from glory to glory, but there are some um, valleys in, in, in those peaks and, and the growth really happens in those valleys. And so when we consume Christian entertainment that is sometimes manufactured, I'm not saying that all of it is bad or that it's worthless. I I think that that can be good for us too, to remind us of God's goodness. But when, when we're looking at quote unquote art that doesn't have a reasonable conflict or doesn't have a conflict that's true to life what it looks like is that the the christian life is is two things one um that it's always something to feel good about and it's always something that we're going to be happy with and two that it follows this certain narrative arc that that it doesn't um you and I are two different people in in two different places in our relationships with God and and in our walk with Jesus and there have been a lot of bumps and valleys on the way and those narrative arcs are not the same at all. Right. Yeah. I and from a like from a creating standpoint, I just want to put this in. This was a, a point for me. Um, from a you know as a creator I was talking to a friend and I was like you know what and I was just talking about 
music, music and creating in general. Um, I was like, you know, man, like there's just, uh, Christian creators. This was a, this was a, a little while, a while ago. The Christian creators, they don't get any respect. They don't, you know, it's just, I'm not about that. Like I'm going to actually, you know, create something good. I want to, I want something that, you know, gets respect. I want, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think I want to do the, you know, creating the Christian thing and all that. And he's like, um, he just started talking and he, he said something to the effect of, if you, like, you cannot pioneer something new and create something new that has all those aspects if you completely jump out of it, right? Sure, sure. Charging me with a, like, if you, like, if, like, you can't change it if you're not a part of it. Yep. So, you know, and that and that's a charge to any creator, Christian creator, or, or anybody who just was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this thing. The, the truth is... If, if you try to, you know, if you jump out of it and just, you know, complain that, you know, the, the Christian art thing is just not for you because it's not real, then you can't change it. You can't change the, tra- the trajectory of it. That's exactly right. And um, and I also want to ask a question we both create. Um, I write uh, and I record music much the same as you. Um, and and uh, we both have our own sort of solo artistic endeavors but just to to close out this discussion and um we might do another thing that i'd really like to do uh a a part two of this discussion where we do delve a little bit more into our influences and and how they've influenced um not just us as people and not just us as artists but uh, how they've influenced our relationships with christ um a big question that I always ask myself is, uh, who's your audience? I think that a lot of Christian entertainment that's made for Christians is made for the audience of Christians, and it's not made for the audience of God, the author of our faith, and the the creator of these gifts that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that in Christian art, or if we're Christians making art, there was a big debate, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago with a lot of Christian artists who are on the fringe of the Christian market and the secular market. It's like, are you a, a band of Christians or are you a Christian band? You know, um, and yeah. I, I, I find that distinction unhelpful. If our audience ultimately is God, then I think that, um, I think that he'll be reflected in our art. And if our audience is other people, I think that we're just setting ourselves up to fail. We're setting ourselves up to make a subpar um, product, for lack of a better term, um, a subpar song, uh, a subpar painting, a subpar book, because we're writing for other people. We're not writing for the author. And this is something that I struggle with. I struggle with when I'm writing something... Um, whether it's a song or a, you know a, an essay, is this something that's going to resonate with other people, or is this uh, exemplifying where my faith is right now and where I'm headed? Am I talking to other people or am I talking to God? And mm. and and if I can boil art down um, in one simple phrase, it would just be 
a a conversation with God about what our gifts are. Like that's that's what art is to me. Hmm. Yeah, I've man, that's uh, that is that definitely that needs to yeah, this needs to be part 2 for sure. There we go. I I've had you know people basically lay out, you know, you've heard the educational um definition of art, sure, as, sure. you know, the imitation of life, right? So, but I think the fact that you bring, you know, you, you bring God into it in in, the, in your definition is 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 pretty awesome. I I feel like I need to just uh, I'm going to get emails about people who are going to, you know, hit me with, you know, well, what about in, a, in our initial conversation, our initial question you're like, you know, how does you know, art really affect your theology, and it's funny because I'm going to get a lot of probably um, stones thrown at me. But like, well, so you're saying that worship music isn't art because it hasn't affected your theology? Yeah, we can talk about that, and that's a good conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. To close us absolutely. out, though, like, what art are you digging right now? Like, what are what are you what are you getting into? Um, do you want me to start? Yeah. I can start. Go ahead. So, yeah, because I have, uh, I'm on vacation. I've got a stack of books to read uh, th- that I've been putting off for about a year and a half. Some of these books I purchased a year and a half ago, and then I got married, and then we got pregnant, and then I had a kid. So, like, this is my first opportunity to dig into some of the stuff. Um, so one book that I'm looking forward to reading is All Our Wrong Todays. It's a novel by Elon Mastai, and it's about a, a guy who lives in the 1950s version of the present day, like with flying cars and everything that the Jetsons thought that we would mm-hmm. have today. Like that's the reality of 2018 that he lives in and accidentally gets transported to the 2018 that we have right now, which is just no flying cars and no world peace. Um, and, and how he tries to get back to, to the uh, sort of future of the past world of 2018 and then um i'm reading uh a thriller called final girls by riley sager which is uh sort of in the vein of uh, a lot of people have read the book or seen the movie gone girl sort of in that same vein i've got a couple of biographies to read um bruce dickinson who's the lead singer of iron maiden and also a uh unaccomplished pilot wrote a uh, an autobiography and then one of my favorite musicians if not my favorite musician of all time brian wilson of the beach boys wrote an autobiography about a year and a half ago that i'm looking forward to getting into so yeah. so my next week is just going to be tearing through books that's awesome and the the worst part is like i always i i run through my stack of books like halfway through the week when i go on vacation so i'm gonna have to find a bookstore and get more stuff that's funny, man. Well, you're like voracious. Uh, I'm, like I'll get like voracious in spurts, right? Yep. And usually summers that uh, summers that time for me. But I've this really, summer's been I'm busy s- for you, man. I've been so behind on my reading. It's not even funny, man. It's all right. We won't hold that against you. You can just wait yeah. a year and a half, like I did. So I feel like I, I feel like I can't even like speak English very well because I'm so behind on my my reading. I'm, I'm telling you. Um, the, it's funny, uh, I've, so I studied black and white, traditional black and white photography. Yep. So if we're talking about like, you know, art, um, so I'm, I'm still creating, I'm always creating, 
um, digital art and I'm always creating like still black and white photography and all that. So one of the things, um, I have this obsession, like if you were to check my Instagram account, I have this obsession with really harsh contrast. Yep. Right? Um, That's good overexposed like I, I loved overexposed contrast in in my photos so I like there's a there's a photo company um, called Ilford okay um, and they make photo paper and film like traditional film and all that and they have a um, they have an account on Instagram that I just eat up and um, I, I get a lot of my inspiration from from um, from that, like from that account, that and a ton of work. So I've been like really lately. I've just been eating up a ton of work, just black and white work, black and yeah, white yeah. work, black and white work. Well, um, I just want to let you know, like for your photography, if you ever need a nude model, don't ask me. Go somewhere <sighs> oh, else. My goodness. Oh, yeah, I don't. Uh, you should see Grant's face right now. He's like, I don't I'll know be- how to respond to this at this point. Yeah. He's blushing uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I will definitely not ever ask you. That's good. That's, I will. Uh, that's good. Well, thank God. Good. I mean, for everybody, the, the, the entire world is, is pleased with that. Um, Grant's art is, um, and his photography is really good. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you should do that. Thanks, my man. Instagram is filled with just pictures of my baby. There's hey, look, no dad now. artistic yep, yep. value. It's you're, just silly stuff. It's a, it's a, listen. You're uh, like you're a dad now. You have a newborn. Um, it's I think that's in the terms and conditions. It is. For, I had to sign a paper. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. Um, if you have a baby, you have to. And you know we're at that point where like basically my entire feed is either black and white photos or pictures of other people's babies. <laughs> So, that's yeah, awesome. Gonna, uh, that's not a bad place to be in, you know. And uh, yeah, in the I, future, and I'm not like planning for for you and Rebecca or anything. But black and white <laughs> photography of your own baby is very beautiful. <laughs> so that might be something you think about. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. Just not planning right now. We're uh, <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're still, you know, that's at arm's length. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Yep. But getting closer, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Sure. The maybe, details maybe. next on Love yeah. War. <laughs> All right. You want to close us out here, man? Hey, so good to be with you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Love War podcast. As always, I'm Grant. This is Brian. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Love War.